Many people who went to York College would consider it a special place. Just consider some of those places that you consider special and apply it to York College for me. But after my first year, I decided to take summer classes at York, and uh, so I rented a room. It was a darkly dank, musty, stinky room in somebody's basement, and unfortunately, the classes were canceled. With nothing to do, I decided to go back home and work. In that summer, I noticed something right away. York College was not so special without the people and my friends. It was lonely and without fulfillment. But this taught me a lesson. The buildings and the campus did not make York College York College. It was the people, the connections, the physical and spiritual personal relationships that I had. The lesson today is called idolatry, gods that fail. The first point is the real deal. Second, stupid is as stupid does. And third, listen to the truth. So let's look at the first point, the real deal. What is the real deal when it comes to Jesus? 1 John 5.13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Well, that's great. The original apostles' teaching teaches about Jesus. It teaches us how to know we have eternal life, as Bill brought out very nicely in the Lord's Supper. It's a big deal to us. So we go back to places like 1 John chapter 1, 1 through 3, when he focuses on the humanity aspects of who Jesus was. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, the we being who? Which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testified to it, and proclaimed to you, what? The eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, Easton, Christian, Canaan, Emily's. I am not that old to have seen these things about Jesus for myself. That is, Jesus' life and teachings. So, we, in that passage, wasn't me. It was them. Them being the apostles. But did they make up their teaching? No. So where did they get their teachings? Well, Scripture teaches from Jesus, from the Holy Spirit, from the Father. Luke makes it clear that to be an original apostle, that is one of the twelve, as is talked about, you needed to have lived during the time 
of the ministry of John the Baptist. You needed to have been around Jesus and his ministry, and you have needed to have seen and witnessed the ascension of Jesus back into heaven. I wasn't living at that time, Easton, so I didn't see that. Those who serve this ministry are witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they shared this truth. That was their job, to share this truth, and other truth, obviously, about Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 1, 22, 21 through 22. So their desire for people is for others to listen to them. That's the desire they have. Listen to us. As the body of Christ grew, though, not everyone could claim witness status. You see, the apostles' teaching was not based on arrogance. It was not based on position or superiority. It comes from understanding the real truth. So those who taught the real deal came under scrutiny. Later, especially after Jesus ascended, they might not, and most of them probably never did, meet Jesus. It reminds me of Jesus' grand statement. John chapter 20. Verses 27 through 29. He was talking to Thomas. That probably helps you remember what he's talking about. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put your, out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And then what does he say? Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And then Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen? Blessed are those who believe who have not seen and yet have believed. So we have the apostles. Could they force Jesus back so everybody could see? No, they were teaching something that came from Jesus. And there are people who believe that. What a powerful example the word had on people's lives. And the miracles that proved their teaching, that is the apostles' teaching, they had that backup there that could only come from God. So recognize that teaching for what it is. And now we have the power that comes from truth written down for us. Isn't that wonderful? And the transforming of nature of Jesus continues to be taught. The nature of Christ's love within us. He loved us so. Bill, good point. Good song. He loved us so. We see the nature of Christ's love. We understand the nature of Christ's love. We see it in people who are involved in that. And we read it in his word. And the nature of Christ's truth of his gospel. Truth in Christ, you see, brings confidence. Again, Bill, you, you hit right on my lesson. We did not gathered together before this sermon. But what is he talking about when he was talking about the Lord's Supper? We don't have to worry about our standing in Christ if we're continually faithful. We have confidence. Now, 
I used to do a fair bit of swimming. Probably not like what Emily did, but more in the realm of get out into the lake and go in the deep, right? I even learned some survival skills in swimming. Say you're in deep water far from shore and you're in a boat and the craft sinks. Oh, well, not everybody brings a survival jacket. Sometimes we forget or it floats away and we can't get to it. You might be out fishing or just cruising around, but you go into the water wearing your jeans. This is one of the examples that might happen. Anybody ever lifted a pair of jeans out of the washer when the washer didn't get all the water out? Heavy, isn't it? Well, if you go into the water with jeans and you're starting to tread water or swim and you still got those jeans on, it makes the, the survival difficult. So you take off your shoes and you let them go. You don't save on to those $100 Jordans or anything else. You let them go because those things aren't going to save you. You take off your jeans in the water. Try that. That's a fun skill. But you don't let those go. Anybody ever taken off their jeans in the water? Oh, just me. It's not that easy, but you can do it. But you keep the jeans. And what do you do with the jeans? They're heavy. Why are you holding on to them when you're trying to survive? Well, you tie one of the legs and you tie the other leg and then you flip and you got to kick yourself out of the water. So be ready. Kick out of the water and flip those jeans upside down so that the waist is what you're holding on to and it catches all that air. And now the legs are up in the air, filled with air, and you got a floaty until the air runs out and you have to do the whole process again. But while you got that floaty, you're kicking towards shore with legs that aren't burdened down by jeans. The point is this, just having the pants wasn't helpful. You need to know how to use them. You need to know how to use them. You see, I can know Jesus is the real deal but if I don't use him correctly through the knowledge of his apostles, what kind of confidence and salvation do I really have? But it's not just about confidence and salvation. As John points out, it's our prayer life. The life gifted by following only the only Son of God, the true Son. 1 John chapter 5, 14-15. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Anybody ever wondered if God heard your prayer? Well, if we ask things, especially according to his will, he has. He has. The second point, stupid is as stupid does, comes from that one movie, remember? Mama always said, there you go. 
I can see you guys saying it on your lips. Very good, you know the movie. Look at the sign on the slide. I could have gone a couple ways with this sign. My first way wasn't going to be productive with the lesson, so this is how I'm going to use that sign. Caution. Cross only when cars stop. Okay, you, you probably know, knowing me, where I'm going with that, duh. But, on a more serious note, the challenge is that the sign asks the person to do what? Pause and think. Do I walk in front of cars while they're coming at me? Very good. That is the right answer. Or do I wait to make sure I don't get hit? Now, idols made with hands do not give great sign directions. Jeremiah 10.5 Their idols are like scarecrows in a cucumber field. And they cannot speak. They have to be carried. For they cannot walk. Do not be afraid of them. For they cannot do evil. Neither is it in them to do good. He brings it up again in Jeremiah 51.17 Every man is stupid and without knowledge. So he builds up in that Hebrew poetry, pointing out specifically what's going on. Every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols. For his images are false, and there is no breath in them. Stupid looks for healing in all the wrong places. Now, are all idols pieces of things that people worship? No, not really. That's how we understand it, and that's a big part of how it's explained in the Bible, but we can look at it from this direction. Sometimes idols are no more than nothing ideas. For that is what an idol truly is, nothing. In comparison to God and his teachings. Remember the challenge of the apostles and the truth that are facing at this time, especially when 1 John is written. People are declaring falsehoods about Christ himself, even to the point that he didn't come in human form. This teaching, in part, is becoming people's idols. It means nothing in comparison to the teaching of God because it's false. Compared to God's truth, these ideas are nothing. And if you worship the ideas, you're basically doing the same thing as worshiping an idol. For example, what is a physician's job? Tend to the sick. Hopefully helping them to get physically better. But the word physician can also deal in spiritual teachings. And we know Job's friends did not offer much of any kind of healing, did they? Job said this about his friends. As for you, you whitewash with lies. Worthless physicians are you all. Job 13, 4. 
Their leadership was not helpful. Their teaching was not helpful. Their guidance was false. There was no healing salve on their wounds. Some versions, instead of saying whitewash, now we know what whitewash is, right? <clears throat> you cover something with white, whitewash. Jesus used that phrase when he was talking about tombs in reference to Pharisees. You whitewashed tombs, or was that Paul? You look good on the outside, but inside you're full of dead man's bones. Job is kind of using that reference. But in other versions, it talks about smear. You smear on lies. Well, what does a doctor do with salve? Healing ointments, especially at that time, they smear it on. But he references them to physicians. You smear on lies. You're not making me feel or do or live better spiritually. You're worthless physicians. So their advice was ungodly and devoid. It was nothing. And we know this because God said so in Job. That sin. Chapter 5, 16 through 17 says this. If anyone sees a brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. I think we can all say that's a challenging passage when you first read it. Which Christian here does not sin? Anybody want to raise their hands on that one? All right, for our visitors, everybody recognizes we're all sinners here, and we all have to grow. Nobody's perfect. We all do, though we learn to shun the sin and work at not doing it. But if I taught that Jesus did not come in the flesh and God did not become man, as in 1 John was dealing with, is that a sin that should be forgiven if I don't repent from it? That teaching goes against the very foundation of the apostles' word. The very foundation that Jesus came in the flesh. That is part of our understanding of gospel. The teaching opposite of that leads people down a horrible path. And if you study what went on, Beyond, you recognize how far they really went. It is a teaching of nothing. It is a type of idolatry, another God than what teacher script, uh, teaches. John said about the apostles, 1 John 5, 19, We are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So if I'm not proclaiming Jesus from the foundation of the apostles, whose foundation am I using? The evil one. Third point, 
We need to listen to the truth. He has come, Jesus. Chapter 5, 20 through 21. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Now, you and I have come to believe in Jesus from the apostles' teachings. If we got into the Word, we studied the apostles and the prophets. Those who have taught us correctly have studied the Word of God. No one should be making up anything to teach us. But the apostles came to believe in Jesus as the Son of God by physically walking with Him and by spiritually learning directly from Him, as Acts talks about also, and being blessed by the Holy Spirit to present His witness truth to the world, the world that lies in the power of the evil one. We know the apostles struggled in their belief walk. We can see that in the Gospels, can't we? Thomas is a reference, but all of them did. But over time, their belief in Christ became solid. Who can best understand Jesus as the Son of God than the apostles? So let's recap 1 John. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God who became human. And he is life, eternal life, that the apostles saw, touched, and listened to. 1 John 1, 1 through 3. Being God, Jesus is the light. 1 John 5, 1, 5 through 10. And he cleanses us from our sins. He brings us relationship with God and each other. Jesus is our defense attorney. And boy, do we need one. Chapter 2, 1 through 6. He shows his love for us by defending us by the power of his blood. His human blood. Jesus, through his apostles, has taught us God's will, and we are warned not to follow fake Christs or fake teachings about the Christ. Chapter 2, 15 through 17. Jesus allows us to become children of God and love one another, chapter 2, 28 through chapter 3, 24. But Jesus wants us to know the difference between his truth and false teaching. Belief in Jesus through the apostles' word shows us that we are born of God, chapter 5, 1 through 21. And we, as John brought up, the three that agree. The water, the blood, the Holy Spirit showed truth by his baptism into John's baptism. Water was born by Mary, died on the cross for our sins, blood, human. And, he, and the truth was shown because the Holy Spirit has testified to it in Scripture long before the New Testament was written down and after. Do you know Jesus? Do you 
know Jesus? Have you followed him through the prophets and the apostles of God? We need to keep ourselves from idols. Little children, oh, that phrase of showing the connection there through Jesus. John says to us, little children, keep yourself from the nothings. From the nothings, from the idols. So in conclusion, Idolatry, gods that fail. That should have been a little G, but I didn't know how to do that in the title. Gods that fail. The real deal, first point, is Jesus, and we need to be connected to him as people born of God. Second, stupid is as stupid does. There is nothing like following stupid that makes you act stupidly. And third, listen to the truth. It comes from God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So listen to the apostles. The lesson is yours. If there's anybody today who has any concerns, prayer requests, or otherwise, we'd love to have you 